0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the 50th episode of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Pash, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals broadcaster. We are certainly grateful that you have listened to the previous 49 episodes. We wanted to do something a little bit different for what we consider a special episode, the fact that they haven't taken us off the air yet and we've made it to 50. So I wanted to bring in one of my great friends and longtime broadcast partner on the Arizona Cardinal games, Ron Wolfley. For those of you that may not know, Wolf was a very good NFL player. Four Pro Bowls in 10 NFL seasons. Wolf will talk about his playing days, why he decided to get into broadcasting, and we'll also go a little bit more in depth on Ron Wolfley, the man. There are people that listen to the games and listen to Wolf on the radio and have an idea about who Ron Wolfley is at his core. This episode, will go a little bit deeper with Wolf and you'll get a greater appreciation for who Ron Wolfley is as a person.
1: I went out onto the football field that spring, the spring where my dad was lying in bed dying. And I said to myself at 198 pounds, you know what? I don't care if I'm 198 pounds. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care about any of it. I'm going to make you feel what I feel.
0: We'll also bring in our longtime producer, Jim O'Mahundro, to play some clips that have never made air before. Some behind the scenes stuff between Wolf and I during game broadcasts. And frankly, it's kind of embarrassing.
2: Dude, Wolf, Wolf. Yes, dude. Yes. Do you believe it, man?
0: No. I cannot believe we're going to be doing a game next week to play for the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm not even. Talk about not being able to move my jaw right now. <coughs> i'm gonna be locked up baby that's
0: coming up as well along with some talk about wolf as a broadcaster wolf as a player And much more coming up here on this edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. The BetMGM touchdown boost token is here. Increase your payout with every Cardinals touchdown. You'll receive an extra 10% boost off every Cardinals touchdown, and your boost can be used on the following week's game, only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, and the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time to hear from my longtime broadcast partner on the Arizona Cardinal Games, the one, the only, Ron Wolfley. Guest number 50 so before I actually introduce you, Wolf, let me just go ahead and list off the previous 49 to yeah. just give you a sense and perspective of the kind of company that you're in here. Okay. Here are previous 49 episodes. Kurt Warner, Buda Baker, Cliff Kingsbury, Medikime, Steve Levy, and Brian Greasy. Michael Bidwill, James Roday, Scott Hanson, Jason Wright, Kirk Herbstreet, Frank Calendo, Steve Kime, James Jones, Mike Tarico, <laughs> Vance Joseph, Jeff Van Gundy, Adam Shine, Colt McCoy, Bill Walton, Chris Spielman, Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton, Al McCoy, Adrian Wilson, Christian Kirk, Mikhail Bridges. George Kleofkoff, J.J. Reddick, Daniel Jeremiah, (laughs) Quentin Harris, J.J. Watt, Zach Ertz, Justin Pugh, Cliff Kingsbury again, James Conner, Jeff Rogers, Dusty Dvorak, Jason Light, Dabo Sweeney, Charles Davis, Marcus Spears, Damian Lillard, Kevin Clark, Greg Olson, Mike Golick, D.J. Humphreys, Greg Sankey, Scott Van Pelt, Bobby Hurley, Jim Nance, and Ron Wolfley as guest number 50 for several reasons because, first of all, it brings back memories of the time that you and I went and got fitted for suits. Yeah. And the guy came out and said, we got a 50. (laughs) (laughs) They had to find a special suit to get you. And you're guest number 50. And you and I have been doing this together for 18 years. So I wanted you to be on this very special episode.
1: Well, David, I really do appreciate that. But my goodness, you read those names off and all I can think of is which one of these is not like the other. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's pretty astounding.
0: Well, this is the first one that I have not written anything down. Normally, I write out all the questions, but I figured you and I would just kind of riff. Oh, I see. Because we get got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, And we're not really going to talk football, because you're on 16 hours a week on Arizona Sports. You're on multiple platforms talking constantly (laughs) about the team.
1: So I figured, let's
0: talk about something else. Let's actually give people... Are you
1: saying I'm overexposed, David?
0: (laughs) Let's give people an inside look at Ron Wolfley and our dynamic, too, in the booth, because I do think there are people that, that find that interesting. Okay. its It's been 18 years. I remember the first time I met you was when I got the job in 2002. I came in, and, and after the interview process and got the job, at the time, John Missler was the analyst, and they said, we really like John, but we want to hear how you sound with other analysts, because... It's not definite that John's going to be back, so let's go ahead and bring in all these other guys. So ten people came in, and we called the same game. You were one of the ten. We Yo. did Raiders Cardinals from two thousand one, and I remember like I by the end of it I was delirious because it was the same game over and over. I started making up names or, you know, calling guys George Bolitnikoff just to change it up, and uh, you stood out uh, above all the other guys. You you stood out. It was it was clear that you were very gifted. And, you know, John was still the guy at that time, and John was great and did a few more years. And then you got the job. And here we are 18 years later, and obviously we've been through a lot. We've seen a lot of losses. We've also seen a lot of great moments, including the Super Bowl. And I'm just curious, Wolf, from somebody who played 10 years in the NFL and played at a high level, I know I joke with you, but look, you went to the Pro Bowl four times. Mm -hmm. You were a legit dude in the NFL. Did you know then that you wanted to not just be in broadcasting but do games because I think there is there's a different type of former player coach that can do games. It's not for everybody. Mhm. Studio is much easier than to talk really quickly and react to something on the fly and do it over and over again for 3 hours.
1: Yeah, no, you know what honestly um I did know that I wanted to get into broadcasting, and it wasn't my own idea. It was Jude LaCava. You know Jude LaCava, right? Jude LaCava, local news anchor here. Of course, Jude LaCava, a legend. Uh, Jude was the guy who said, Wolf, you you ought to get into broadcasting. Because I always had a vocabulary, and I like to use my vocabulary, and I like to speak. I love English. I love it. So... He said, you should get into broadcasting, you know, what? and I said, hey, you know what, that sounds great because I could tell stories. I could sit around and talk about what it was like. You know, it's kind of like you, David. I, I, I have a writer's brain. Like, I look at people and, and I, I imagine something that I could write in a novel or something like that. And the first time, it's amazing, you, you bring up the first time we met. The first time I met you, man, you actually had hair. <laughs> you had hair right there. Full man. head. And, uh, seriously, it was a bush. I-, I don't know what happened since, but you got more hair on your nose than you do on your head right now, but <laughs> it used to be a bush, and that's what's truly amazing. You know, time does go by, does it not?
0: You still have hair. It's gray, and it's spiked. Yeah. You also have teeth, because uh, yesterday, <laughs> or Sunday, uh, Wolf had lost a tooth. Uh, yeah, eating something on the way to the game, but you got that fixed. That, you were not supposed to. You know, the rule was since the Cardinals won, you were supposed to hold off until they lost again before you got that. Yeah, fixed.
1: well, you know what? Uh, hang in there because uh, dinner tonight. I'm sure if I bite into something a little firm, it might come out again. That's what the dentist said.
0: So, Wolf, people are drawn to you. I I, I feel like uh, that's something about your personality and your character. It's clear off the air just watching when you and I always go down to the field before the game yeah, every game we do and in particular State Farm Stadium when we do it everybody wolf wolf hey wolf and you're always responsive and kind and is that something like were you like that as a player did people love you as a player
1: yeah for the most part David I always I always made that connection with the common man in the stands and The reason why I say that is because they looked at me at 6 foot, 218 pounds and said, that could be me. I could be that guy. Um, They knew that I wasn't very talented. They knew that nobody was going to hand me the ball and say, go run the ball. Nobody was going to try to throw me the ball. They knew that I was out there to do one thing and one thing only, and that was to give damage and take damage. And I think that appealed to a lot of guys, especially when I went to Cleveland in front of the dog pound. <laughs> they absolutely adopted me as their own. And, yeah, I just think I made that connection with a common man because they thought, man, that, that could be me if I got a break.
0: So along those lines, you talked about your height and your weight. And, first of all, there aren't many fullbacks anymore to begin with and not many – Ben Skoranek, who we just saw for the Rams, yeah. you know, he's not a fullback I think he's even bigger than you. Yes, were at the time. How did you survive? How did you make it 10
1: years? How did you go to the Pro Bowl four times? Yeah, you know, that's that's great. Thank you, Lord God, for what you have done for me. Because, honestly, um, I was 218 pounds, like I said. And they drafted me in the fourth round, 104 overall. Never forget the number that you were drafted, David. Never. 104 overall. Um And then he, whenever you find somebody who's drafted after you, you just rape them <laughs> mercilessly. You're 105. You've got to be kidding me. Anyways, I digress. First of all, didn't one of the coaches on the Cardinal staff
0: think that you were the wrong person they drafted you and thought actually you were somebody else no
1: i i i i kind of suspected that when i showed up because they looked at me they walked up to me and looked at me and said i thought you were bigger (laughs) i mean here i am six foot 218 pounds in an era in the national football league where every fullback was 245 250 plus.
0: Didn't they ask you what number you wore yes, in college? They did. They so they were watching
1: were they watching the wrong guy on tape and I, thought I, it was you? I there was a guy that was forty six and I was thirty-six. John Gay, number forty six. He was a tailback behind me, but he actually outweighed me. He was two hundred and twenty-five pounds, two hundred and thirty pounds. I was two hundred and eighteen pounds when I was a senior. They moved me to fullback when I was 198 pounds. Once again, we're talking about in an era where every fullback was 250 pounds. In David, it was hammer and nail. Hammer and nail. That's all it was. There was none of this zone scheme or anything like this. It was run as fast as you can through the B-gap. And, oh, by the way, there's going to be another human being, and he's going to be running in the opposite direction through the B-gap as well. And the two shall meet. Somewhere at the line of scrimmage, it was, it was brutal, and it was beautiful, or brutal, as I like to say. <laughs> Who was
0: the toughest football player that you ever played oh, against?
1: Oh, have you heard of Bill Boy Bates?
0: Special teams legend for the Dallas Cowboys. Without a shadow of a doubt. The toughest? Bill Bates was the toughest? Bill Boy
1: Bates was. He was tough. Now, once again, when you say tough, I'm not talking strength. We're talking toughness. Toughness is the ability to endure damage, to to give damage and to absorb it. And Bill Boy Bates, you go against Bill Boy Bates one-on-one on on a punt return, um, whether you're the guy that's on the return team or whether you're on the punt pro team and he was trying to keep you from running down and covering the punt i could promise you right now abandon all hope ye who enter here because he would never quit you could take a metaphorical bullet and stick it in his head and i'm just telling you he would get off the ground he would never quit. He'd fight you tooth and nail all the way down the field. As a matter of fact, there were times where Bill boy Bates and myself running down the field. This is my rookie year. We just run down the field side by side and I'd be punching him in the face and he'd be punching me in the face on a punt return, running down the field. And I remember David, I used to get I mean this was Bill boy Bates. they they started sending a human being to the Pro Bowl for special teams because of Bill Bates. Because John Madden saw him and said, oh my goodness, look at this madman covering these kickoffs and these punts. So all of a sudden, because Madden would start highlighting him, the NFL said, we ought to send a guy to the Pro Bowl every year. And it was Bill Bates who started that. And, and I knew he started it. And he had beat me two years into the league. And all of a sudden, I'm in the league, and he's like year three, and I'm punching him. And all of a sudden, I'd stop. The whistle would blow. And I'd look at him, and I'd say, Bill, you created me, Bill. You created me. Now your better has come. And he would look at me like, shut your mouth. But he never said a word. Bill Bates would never say a word. He'd punch you, he'd fight you tooth and nail, but he'd never speak to you. Interesting.
0: Speaking of uh, punching and fighting, um, how many fights were you in (laughs) on the field? Forget off. Because it's funny, Wolf, I I hear these stories about you, and obviously I've been around you a lot over the last two decades, and the guy that... You talk about that you were, I don't see. I see somebody different. Sure. You remind me in a lot of ways. Sure. I, we talked about this off the air, but for folks that maybe listen to the podcast or want to go back and listen to the podcast that I did with Chris Spielman, who's now one of the top executives with the Detroit Lions. I worked with Chris at ESPN for a long time, and there was there an in, there is a an intensity, underlying intensity with Chris and with you that's there, Yeah, but you treat people, you've got a big heart, but Mess with it a little bit, poke the bear a little bit, and I could see the beast coming out. So obviously, you use that as a football player. You talked a lot about that. You turned, uh, you you went into an altered state of consciousness to play football. Yeah. So yeah. that beast f- fought how many times?
1: <sighs> On the football field, I, I don't even know, David. Fifty, a hundred, two hundred. I. I want to say, no, I don't want to exaggerate here, but I, I would say between college and the NFL, yeah. um, I would say probably 70, 75. Seven, I mean, it's, 70, it's a lot. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot. It, it really is a lot. But you got to remember, I, I was a poor kid that grew up in a rich town, David, and, um, you know, I grew up on a dead end street, as you know, that emptied into a gravel pit, and I never had the right shoes. I never had the right jeans on. I never had the right clothes because we had seven people living in my house. And, you know, my parents, um, my mom didn't work, of course. My dad was a truck driver. We didn't have a lot of money, man. We didn't. And growing up in that rich town filled with doctors and lawyers, even though we were at the, the other end of the street, so to speak, uh, metaphorically, but. Man, I can tell you, David, that it was hard because kids would just be so mean to you and tease you and you didn't have the right jeans on. And sometimes when you were 12 years old and they tease you for your faith, oh, you believe in Jesus, you believe in Jesus, and they would mock you for believing in Jesus. You know what? I'd beat the dog out of them. (laughs) Can I just tell you, and I didn't care how big he was. I didn't care at the time. I'll never forget my mom coming in and the principal saying, you know, your son, Esther, your son uh, got in another fight, and it was because they were mocking him for his faith. And I said, yeah, that's right, Mom. You know, I'm not going to, and she would say, Ronnie, you know, you you can't allow that to happen. You cannot. That's not what Jesus wants you to do. And I came to an age where I realized that, but on the football field, um, once you stepped in between those white lines, the entire paradigm was changing, and it changed to a point where you could just knock the dog out of somebody. It's one of the most wonderful things, and I thank God for this, David. I really do. So
0: you I, could chan- you're saying you could channel all that all anger? All of it. And put it into hurting somebody else on the football field. Not yes. with the intent to hurt, but the yes. intent to play the game at the highest level because that's what you brought to the table.
1: And it got me into a lot of trouble. It would get me into fights because I would fight you tooth and nail. I'd do it legally. I'd never cheap shot you either. I'd do it legally, but I would fight you to the bitter end tooth and nail, and it got me in a lot of trouble. On the football field because I was not going to back down. And I I need to tell you this story. I learned to play the game of football because my dad was dying of leukemia when I was 18 years old. Okay, I went through high school and everything else. I thought I was OJ Simpson. Pitch me the ball. I'll run and I'll, you know, I'm running a 4640. I'm one of the fastest kids in my high school. Pitch me the ball. I'm a running back. Day three of going to West Virginia, they recruited me, of course. I signed my letter of intent. I signed. I was a Mountaineer. Day three of being in training camp my freshman year, they said, get in a three-point stance. Suddenly, they moved me to fullback. I weighed 198 pounds, and they moved me to fullback my freshman year. I went out that spring. That spring, my dad was dying. Back at my house, 45 Hodson Road. Google it. Go ahead and look at it. In our living room, he was in a hospital bed, dying of leukemia. David, yes, I grew up poor. There's no doubt about that. Yet at the same time, I can tell you that there was a lot of love in that house as well. And I love my dad a lot, even to this day when I think about him. But I went out onto the football field that spring, the spring where my dad was lying in bed dying, and I said to myself at 198 pounds, you know what, I don't care if I'm 198 pounds, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how bad you are, I don't care about any of it, I'm going to make you feel what I feel. You want to talk about psychological. You want to talk about, I'm sure somebody would have loved to have put me on a couch at that point in time and throw some questions at me. But I was like literally any pain that I felt didn't matter to me. I was going to transfer everything that I was feeling inside onto you. And that meant running full speed. Into whoever the end man on the line of scrimmage was, or whoever the Mike linebacker was in the middle running an ISO, or whoever was in a wedge, and I was going to be the wedge buster on special teams, busting it up. Whatever it was, where when I got the opportunity to run full speed into somebody, I. I never hesitated. I never broke stride. I never gathered myself to hit him. I ran full speed like I was running into a wall without breaking stride. And the the collisions that were happening at 198 pounds, I was getting killed. It was 1981. Okay? And that's the way that it was back then. I, I cannot tell you how brutal that spring was for me. But I will tell you, four years later, when I left there and Paul Crissula was still the running back coach there, when I got drafted in the fourth round, 104 overall, I went in to say goodbye to Coach Crissula. And I said goodbye to him. We had a great conversation. I turned to walk out. And he said, Hey, Wolf. And I turned around and he said, You remember spring of your freshman year? <laughs> I was like, Do I remember? How could I forget? the way that you treated me. He said, I did that because I loved you. And I saw something in you. And I knew I needed to bring it out. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was that was the way that it was. Hard coaching back then, man. It was a beautiful thing. And I know I'm all over the place, David, but you opened this can of worms.
0: <laughs> no, look, it's, uh, it gives people that, are curious about you. I get asked all the time about two analysts, you and in Walton. People ask, "Is Wolf like that off the air?" What's What's Bill like? Is he always like that? Is Is Wolf always like that? So I think this gives people some insight to who you are. Sure. And you took that anger, rage, and used it to your advantage as a football player for a decade. When retirement hit and I'm around retired athletes and coaches all the time because the people you work with, people I work with on college football, NBA, college basketball, they're former players. Some of them are Hall of Famers, either future or are already in the Hall of Fame. Some were guys that had a very short career in pro sports or none at all. So how guys handle retirement, everybody's different. Yeah. How did you handle retirement? Retirement before you got into this business.
1: Yeah, um, I think I handled it very, very well. I always had prepared um, for the day. At least I felt that way that I was going to be done playing football. I, I th- for me, the greatest thing about playing the game of football was the fact that you could step in between those white lines on the gridiron, and you could act like an unmitigated savage, David, unmitigated savage, and yet. You could walk outside those white lines and you love people and respect people and treat them better than yourself. David, as a man, it didn't get any better than that for me personally. It didn't. So I never, I, I used to write poetry about it. The fact that I could step outside those white lines when I was grown as an adult and totally love people and respect people and treat them better than myself. But on that football field, it was like I'd never cheap shot you, but you were going to get my absolute best, period. And I love that dichotomy. That It was so awesome to be able to be primal when you needed to be primal and then walk outside those lines and love people and treat them right. And, yeah, for me, um, I really didn't have a problem with that.
0: Between the end of your playing career and broadcasting before you actually got started in this and and like i said it's been 18 years doing the games but you were doing some other broadcasting prior to that uh, when did you come out to arizona to to make your home officially and what was the transition like when you started getting into broadcasting knowing that hey this could be yeah. my career
1: yeah david um very tough set of circumstances very difficult situation um Married and getting a divorce um, in 1998 and I came out here. I call it my dark days. Um, I I came out here in 1998 and I came out here basically to die because I thought my life was over at that point in time. Um, I was happily married and a father of four. And um, for me, I came out here and um, drank a bottle of Jack almost every other night, and I'm talking about drinking a lot, Um, showing up at 11 o'clock in the morning and shutting it down 12 hours later for the most part, and it's so hard for me to recall that and remember Myself being that way. Yet I was David. And, um,. It was very, very difficult, and I came down here because Jude LaCava once again asked me and said, there's a new radio station, KMVP, 860 AM, that is opening up, why don't you come down here and actually try broadcasting, why don't you try out, and that's what I did because I thought my life basically was over, yet at the same time, I needed to make some money, that I could send the money home, and of course, make sure that I was buying Jack Daniels, plenty of that, for the evening. So in a a span, after playing 10 years in the National Football League, I lost um, so much. I lost everything for the most part. And it was all my fault because I allowed myself to walk down that path. And um, to this day, it's very, very difficult to talk about because of how I failed my family. Failed my wife, failed my kids, um, failed my family. Period. And um, yet I came down here, (laughs) David. I I drank a bottle of Jack Daniels, and somehow, some way, I'd be ready to go the next day, and I'd start broadcasting. I'd go right to the station, I'd broadcast, and go right back to the bar. It was I seriously, it was unbelievable. Um, I'm so glad that uh, God pulled me out of that. Um, but it was, it's hard to recall, Dave. No, I.
0: And it's hard. I appreciate you sharing uh, because I think it's a story that maybe a lot of people haven't heard. And I think a lot of people can be inspired by where you are now. And I think one of the very interesting aspects. Of that dark time for you was, and you've told me the story, and I know you've shared it. I don't know if you've you know, spoken about it publicly, but the waitress who was serving you at that time was serving you alcohol, has been yeah. your wife now for two decades. I mean, it's incredible <laughs> with two years, what how how you and Steffi, uh, well
1: david as you know um jesus christ is my lord and savior you know my faith you cannot take my faith from me you don't have me you you have nothing there is no life apart from my king there is none and um because of that and i've believed that since i was 12 years old i accepted christ as my savior when i was 12 years old i basically was raised in a family That was Amish, except we drove cars (laughs) and used electricity. (laughs) It was so fundamentally, biblically sound. I kid you not. I'll never forget when my older brother Craig, who played 12 years in the National Football League, was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's five years older than I am. I'll never forget the huge family meeting we had because Craig was going to play on the Sabbath. Okay, so now all of a sudden this was a huge deal. And my grandfather said, you know what, I think you can actually do more of God's work by actually playing on the Sabbath and using the platform that God has given him. Then, he can, then it's going to be a negative. Anyways, you know the family that I came from. And um, so for me, it was a situation where when I went down that path, the dark days it was never a rejection of my God. It was never a rejection of my King. It was never a, I don't believe in you anymore. I was broken. I was, I was just heartsick and blind. And walking down that dark path on those dark days by myself, um, man, it's so hard to recall them once again. But suddenly, after four years of doing that, there is this firefly named Stephanie who's at this bar and it was called McKenna's. And there, there she is, and she was blonde, and she was absolutely beautiful, and yet I would never say a word to her because this wasn't a party. This was spread the elbows, drink the Jack Daniels, smoke my three packs of Lucky Strikes a day, go ahead and do that, and you know what? Don't talk to anybody.
0: Was it a leaving Las
1: Vegas type? It, that's exactly what it was. David. So you were, you were there to drink there to, to death? I was there to, yes, drink myself into oblivion for the most part. And yet here's this blonde who was just beautiful and like a firefly, David. She was just like in all the darkness. I was surrounded by it. And yet she was this firefly and my god is faithful even though i was unfaithful he was faithful and and suddenly somehow some way he put us together she actually Um, had her faith as well and believed in the same Jesus that I believed in and was running for her own reason as well. And suddenly God put us together and we grabbed each other's hand and said, let's do this together. And I've been with her for 22 years. Thank you, Lord God.
0: And you've been sober and you've been... Uh, fruitful, and you've got a family <laughs> yes. with Stephanie, children, you've got a great career, and there's no easy way to segue from how serious that is to what we're about to do, but I, I, one of the things I really appreciate about you is you don't take yourself too seriously. You laugh at yourself, you broadcast games because you love the game, <sighs> and when we've had some seasons here where things haven't gone well. And we've, we've had to try to manufacture joy and fun because our job is to serve the listener. Yes. So how do we keep the listener entertained? How do we yeah. keep the listener engaged where the listener can experience a football game but experience maybe something a little bit different? And you're yeah. different. You're yeah. a different analyst. Yeah. All the things you've talked about, the good, the bad. The ugly, everything surrounding it. Your life, from where you were as a child to the things you've gone through, to being a Pro Bowl player, to yeah. now being in broadcasting. That all comes out. In in you're talking about how you channeled that anger as a player. The love for the game, I think you channel that very well on the air. I think if you're a listener, you can't. I mean, there, I'm sure there's people that love Ron Wolfley and people that don't. There's yeah. people that like yeah. me and people probably hate me on the air. Oh yeah. But you can't say. Ron Wolfley isn't passionate. Ron Wolfley doesn't <laughs> love the game. So is that something like do you think about that before we do never, a game or it just comes
1: out? never you and I know you know that too because I never do. Are you kidding me? The game of football is is brutal and it is emotional. and um it's one of the things that I loved the most. Not everybody could do it, David. Not everybody could do it. Listen, the NFL has changed a lot, and it needed to change. It did. The, the biggest change in the game of football is how you train a human being to play in a football game, period. You don't beat the living dog out of a human being to get him ready to play in an NFL game. That's what you used to do. Anyways, it's all changed. But having said that, um, football was my way out. Football was what got me out of that, that dead-end street, so to speak. Football gave me the opportunity by God's hand in my life using football. I was able to suddenly um, change the paradigm for me growing up completely. I used to say it all the time, and it's so true. Mother gridiron, right? The game of football itself will love you. It will love you. It will nurse you like a newborn babe, nursing on its mother. If you will just embrace it with everything that you've got. If you will just go out onto the field and let yourself know. I'm serious, no, I know. David. I was
0: trying to go down a different path with this, but that's that's okay. We're getting no. we're, you're getting fired up again. It's good. No, go I'm, ahead. I'm saying out.
1: right now. This is <laughs> the game will reward you if you'll just love her back and give everything you've got in between those white lines. Not enough people understand that. I had no right playing in the National Football League for 10 days, let alone 10 years. I not only played 10 years, but by God's grace in my life went to four Pro Bowls. As you said, I was team captain eight of the 10 years I was in the National Football League. Why? Because I knew what it was like to give all that I had, which is 100%. Don't give me your 105%, David. <laughs> don't give me your 110%. No. I don't want to hear that. I, I, you don't yeah. have it. There is no such thing as 110%. I, it's uh, yeah.
0: 100%. I was trying to channel this back into broadcasting. I don't know oh. if you were going there. I don't okay. know if that's where you were going. No. Okay. <laughs> I was Let trying me to. I, my,
1: no, the, Are we going to have to edit this, well, Matt? I mean, honestly. The,
0: po- the point I was making is that all the things you did to work yourself into an altered state to play football in a way comes out naturally in broadcasting. And I want to bring in our producer, Jim Omohundro, who's been with us for 18 years because Omo, uh, his nickname, uh, he's he's been part of the organization for a long time. His dad was the head trainer for the Cardinals forever. And so he's kind of been a part of this and knows you as well as anybody. And, you know, I, I mentioned that You don't take yourself too seriously, and I think for, again, a lot of Cardinal fans, before I bring in Jim, just the year we went to the Super Bowl, I'll never forget, you and I are on the bus going over to the game from the hotel, and Kurt Warner is sitting in front of us, and you and I are sitting next to each other, and we're like, it's Kurt Warner. Great. Kurt Warner getting ready to go play in the Super Bowl. He's played in this game before. I wonder how many other guys on this bus right now are crapping their pants (laughs) and how many of these guys are looking at kurt like i'm gonna look at that guy and i'm gonna follow that guy and i remember you and i kept telling each other like hey we don't know if this is ever gonna happen again enjoy it soak it all in and i there's so many things about that day that i remember and then we've had other great playoff games the the packers with ba um the Packer oh, yeah. playoff game after we went to the Super Bowl. There have been great moments and great playoff games, but there have also been times where, when things weren't going well, we had to. Oh, how do we keep the fan sure. entertained in tuning in to the Cardinals right. and being interested in Cardinal football and being entertained at the same time? So anyway, Omo, why don't you jump in here because I, I think there are a lot of moments we've had over the years that kind of illustrate that that if I'm a fan, I can. Even if things aren't going well, I can still enjoy a Cardinals game.
2: I think that uh, you said it well when you, when you said that even if the season isn't going well, you still found a way to have fun and, and bring the entertainment. Um, little did you guys know that you brought the entertainment to me in several different ways. And, and you guys know me you know better than anyone. And uh, the recorder is always on, no matter if it's uh, on the air or off the air. So I have a... Library that I often joke to you guys that, you know, your roast is going to be amazing. <laughs> but today, basically, you're going to self roast. I, <laughs> oh, I pulled no. probably six or seven clips from over the years. I actually ran out of time. There's way too <laughs> much. We could do this every year. So, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So, I, you know, every broadcast starts with mic checks. Now hey, we have the right level. Let's say, hey, can you give me a mic check? And, uh, I put together some of the, uh, the fun mic checks from over the years. Let's so take a listen.
0: Hi, everybody. Uh, Cardinals. How are you doing? How are
1: you doing? Hello.
0: Uh. Woofly? Woofly? Yes.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's real. That real dies. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wolf. Check one, one, two, one, two. (laughs) Check.
0: (laughs) Hot. (laughs) Hot.
1: Yes, one, two, three, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Wolfley getting ready to broadcast from the Edward Jones Dome.
0: Yes. Yes, I got you. One, We're going to hit them
1: high, hit them low.
0: Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, are you sure oh that's my. us? I don't know that. I don't know that I could fully believe that. I could believe that was Wolf. I, uh, I'm not sure that that was really
2: me. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, about a minute worth, oh. but I could probably put a 10 minute oh, no, montage of no, no, no. that. That was plenty. Go ahead. Well, you have the floor. So, What's next. <clears throat> there's often times, too, where in broadcasting, you say things that. Everyone knows what you're trying to say, but it it doesn't come out that way. And uh, once upon a time, you heard Edward Jones Dome in that last clip, once upon a time in St. Louis, Dave Pash had one of those moments. And um, it left me on the floor of the booth and it left Wolf quite speechless for a few seconds. Let's just uh, take a listen here.
0: Warner takes the snap. Straight drop. Looking left. Firing into the end zone. It's batted up in the air by Fakir Brown and out of bounds in the back of the end zone. It hit Brown right in the helmet. Right off his dong and out of the back of the end zone.
2: His dong? You know what I meant. Third down and eight at the 14-yard line of St. Louis. The man his ding. I meant his dome. I meant his, his dome. dome. of See, course you did. <laughs> the best part about that clip is Wolf just paused and then he goes, his dome? Okay, so full David. disclosure, that
0: may have been the game that I was not fully there mentally because I had a foreign substance in my system.
1: Okay, wait a minute. This isn't the tee shot you took. So isn't it the tour doll?
0: I woke up. I think it was that day. I woke up, I couldn't move my neck. Couldn't move it. Yeah. And so you convinced me, because <laughs> you used to get shot up every game. You're like, go get go get shot up by one of the team docs. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, trust me, it'll feel better. You'll be able to do Linda Blair. Right. 360. <laughs> exactly. And so... I go downstairs into the locker room with Wolf, and first of all, like everybody's kind of like,
1: okay, what's
0: going on here? I'm like, I can't move my neck. Doc Mater to adjust me a little bit, and then uh, I go in, and yeah. one of the docs pulls out a big needle, yeah. and I said, so what is this like, four Advil? And he's like, that's more like 30. <laughs> he shoots me in the rear end. Yes. Unbeknownst to me, Wolf is taking a picture Took of Took a
1: it. picture, snap.
0: <laughs> he still has it on his phone. Indeed. Every use. now and then, I show it to you just so... Yeah. You don't get cocky. By the way, I could move my neck, and I was pretty fired (laughs) up. I was pretty juiced. So that could have been the reason for the mistake.
1: First of all, stop and think about this right now. The way you set that up, David, honestly, it doesn't do it justice whatsoever. (laughs) You got shot up to do a broadcast. (laughs) Do you have any idea how legendary that is? At your
0: behest, you
1: forced me to do it. You, You were like... Uh, You know what would it would it help my neck? Honestly, yeah, David, yeah, it's gonna help your neck. (laughs) Look, you know what? It will stick the blue juice right in your can, and you'll be able to broadcast. That's man, I can't even believe that. That is the most legendary thing. I wish that happened to me, where I wish I would have gotten shot up to do a broadcast.
2: As Johnny Carson would say, uh, we have a clip. Normally, Ron Wolfley is
0: extremely passionate. That level of energy has reached the new height today as uh, his broadcast partner was able to do something that wolf himself has not done in a decade you are awfully proud to see it done that's right you taking the shot
1: is that what you're talking about
0: woke up neck and back couldn't move my neck we tried everything
1: the only uh, antidote was to get shot up. You are the, the stuff of legend, my brother. Shot up for a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh, Said it at the time, goodness. and we'll continue to say it. That is still, man, one of the best things <laughs> that could possibly happen. Well, you get shot up as a broadcaster to go talk a little tee shot. Well, you know
2: when uh, Pash woke up and had a complaint. But over the years, there's been uh, several times where each of you have complained about something, and I put a few of those together.
1: Got a cramp in my hip. Yeah. Yeah, right there, Chief? Chief, my butt is hurting. <laughs> <laughs> First it was your hip. <laughs> oh, bud. <my. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my knees are killing. <laughs> Man, it is warm in here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Wow. I. I is anyone else just dripping here? <laughs> is there any weight? Are, are you doing anything right now? Could you try to find me four Advil? I got this massive spike in my head. You know what? I think I got a couple here, Wolf. What do you have, David? Advil's always worked the best for me.
0: Man, I got a headache. Anybody got any advil? Oh.
1: Yeah, I do. I've had it for like three days. (laughs) Seriously, do you want it?
0: Yeah, if you got some.
1: You know I got Advil, Duke. Just like two. David, crank it up now. (laughs) You kidding me? Two, that won't do nothing for you. (laughs) Take three. I start with four. (laughs) You really? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Oh, I've had it, man. You You got it down now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Give me two Advil, please. David, come on, man. Just cram it down. You want to get rid of it or do you not? You must have an iron stomach. When
0: they when you whenever that day comes and they yeah. do the autopsy they're going to be like we just found a cure for something we thought was incurable yeah. and it's in Ron Wolfley's system yeah, how yeah. do we
1: extract it and use it worldwide it, it really is. Even to this day right now, Advil has very little effect on me right now. Sometimes you got to take six to get the well, job done.
0: As uh, does coffee. I,
1: walked I in don't here. recommend that to anybody yeah, that know. is listening.
0: I walked in here with a small coffee that's been half consumed. I give, Wolf sent me a text of what he wanted from uh, Starbucks. Let's just yeah. say there were four more shots in there than I normally have. Right. Uh, go
2: ahead, Noams. So uh, when putting this together, I knew – over the years we've all encountered great characters and players from teams past and uh one of those guys is the hall of famer gray as you call him kurt warner yeah uh one time I believe it was around 2007 or 8 uh we were playing and kurt took a shot to the chin and he didn't have the hard chin strap he had like the little <laughs> cloth one and uh it it became red because he, he was cut under there and uh During the break, I suggested a a nickname that we should call him upon our return, and uh, this is the conversation leading back into the actual broadcast.
1: The gray beard turned to the red beard. You say that. No, you say it, and then I'll say, Hoist the (laughs) 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 colors!" Oh, you're a slimy dog, matey. Me barnacles are killing me. <laughs> oh, we're going to call the rest of the game like a pirate. <laughs> Dude, stop. Cover that kick and do it smartly. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing
0: during the break is Kurt Warner is no longer Graybeard. He's now called Redbeard, right, Wolf? Our matey has got a red beard. With the blood coming off the chin, dripping after they hit by Kavika Mitchell. Arr. Warner. <laughs> Warner. <laughs> oh. uh. Hoist the colors. Oh, my goodness. First of all.
1: <laughs> you tried to go right there, didn't you? You tried. To, no. That was you, the little. Arr. Warner. Warner. But
0: <laughs> the nicknames. Like, that was. Easy. That was an easy nickname? Yeah. Some of the nicknames that you've come up with over the years. Right. Larry Fitzgerald, to this day, (laughs) despises. Yes. You called him... The Japanese fighting fish, right? And you got it from the movie The Naked Gun. Yes, right. Single-minded and deadly of purpose. That's what. Uh, yes. Who is the game show host who plays the bad guy? Yeah, I opposite know. Leslie I, Nielsen. I, I know. I'm not Richard da- right uh, No,
1: I, I am
0: Ricardo Montalban. But he wasn't oh, a game show host. He was in Fantasy Island.
1: Ricardo.
0: Yeah, he says. A Japanese fighting fish is a yes. type of fish, single-minded and deadly of purpose. And that's what you called Larry Fitz. You called the greatest yes. player in Cardinals history well, that well, first he hates of all,
1: it. first of all, you got to Google Japanese fighting fish. Go ahead and Google it because you'll see it. It's a side shot. You get a side shot, a profile, if you will, of the Japanese fighting fish. It looks like Fitzy with the hair and everything <laughs> that he's got. It looks like Fitzy in his profile for the most part, right? And not only that, deadly and single Minded of purpose, said Ricardo Mapplebon. Uh, why? Um, I called him the Japanese fighting fish because of the red zone. The red zone, and Larry, if he got the ball, he was going to score a touchdown, right? Was he not going to score a touchdown? Of course, the Japanese fighting fish was deadly and single minded of purpose, he was going to get it into the end zone. That's why I called. Didn't,
0: we didn't need the, the five-minute explanation. Oh. I just was thinking. Oh, you didn't want that? <laughs> but three oh, of my favorite wolf So, again, another bad nickname, but the way Larry you – Larry does hate it, just he, for the He record. hates it. He Most hates people it. hate the nicknames. Yes. You called Adrian Wilson the gas man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, again, a bad <laughs> nickname, but what was really funny was if if there was a big play by Adrian Wilson, Wolf on the air would go, does anybody smell gas? <laughs> that, along with yes. at the line of scrimmage, you would say that's where the fur flies. I love yeah, that because right, it's such course. an
1: appropriate it's picture beautiful. for, uh... no doubt. And then I forgot what the other one was. Well, go ahead, Holmes. I had something else, but I, the I... Wizard of Oz secondary. You're forgetting that, right? Oh, there. that's right. The Wizard
0: of Oz secondary,
1: yes. um, <laughs> where you had Tin Man, of course. And I think
2: Greg Toler was Brave Toto, right? <laughs> it's
1: Brave Toto. You remembered Brave <laughs> Toto right there.
2: Um, Excellent. Go ahead, Homo. Uh, speaking of another character, Neil Racker's—you know—he he had a very solid kicking career. Um, a few high-profile misses, but for the most part, he was one of the better kickers we've had here. But he also was known as a pretty good tackler uh, for a kicker. He'd go in there, and uh, he he definitely left an impression on Wolf back in the day. Let's take a listen.
0: What are we laughing at, Wolf? Somebody get
1: Neil Racker's a neck roll.
0: <laughs> see him flying out. See him running over uh, there. Are you
1: serious, Neil? Kicker rage! He's in a frenzy down there. Neil Rackers. Let's let's. Ah! Die! (laughs) (laughs) Get him a neck roll, brother. I mean, you got—he can run too. (laughs) He has little feet. I, I cannot believe that wow did, did, you, um, did you say he was no jay feely all well, right no, jay would go down there and jay let, would go down there he would but man rackers was nuts well, he was he like was. if you, look, you could hear the screaming of the lambs yeah you. he
2: was he was a different dude i think one of my good way
1: favorite
0: wolfly isms that he doesn't use anymore that yeah. i would love for him to bring back but i can understand why it might have a negative connotation or a word picture that's Inappropriate, yeah, is like if an offensive lineman got beat, Wolf would say he got his Jimmy whipped. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, exactly. That was. Why can't you say that? I, I, I have no idea. I mean, it doesn't I, I necessarily
0: think, mean what some might mean, think it does. Means.
1: It doesn't mean exactly. It's just a name you pick. You could say he got his Johnny whipped, whatever. Well, it that may one be. probably
0: is what? a little bit more close to home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: Well, John and Jimmy. Oh, John is oh, no. a term that's used. With bathroom oh, humor. Oh my allowed, goodness! So.
1: See why? Why? Do we have I, any more homes I, or something? Yeah, we,
2: I, I saved one with. for last. Oh right. no! A good walk-off one for okay. uh, this part of the program. Here we go. Um, so in 2008, everyone remembers the great run to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43. But two <laughs> games before that, it's probably the most incredible memory I ever have. Like no one gave the Cardinals a chance to go into Carolina and win the divisional playoff against the Panthers who were undefeated at home. It was Jake Delhomme's birthday. You know, the Cardinals got off to a huge lead and we just kept looking around like don't don't say nope, don't say anything, don't say anything. And then it became clear like we're going to win this game and we're going to be playing in the NFC Championship. We found out the next day that we'd be hosting the NFC Championship. Mm. But listen, I always liked this clip and I always wanted to play it on the air. Never really had the opportunity to. This is a good Time to do it. You guys, especially Dave Pash, sound like a little kid who just got the best Christmas present ever. So this is off air and then it goes back to on air and then back off again. Just listen to the jubilation in the booth. I think I might even be screaming in the background on this one, but this one is one of my favorite memories in my 22 years of doing this.
1: Dude, Wolf, Wolf, yes, dude, yes. Do you believe it, man? No. I
0: cannot believe we're going to be doing a game next week to play for the Super Bowl.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm not even. Talk about not being able to move my jaw right now. (coughs) I'm going to be locked up, baby. (laughs)
0: Blowout City. Blowout, dude. Thank you so much. The Cardinals knock off the Carolina Panthers, 33-13. They are going to the NFC Championship game. Back in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Yes. <laughs> We're playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I cannot believe it. I never, ever, ever thought I would see it this quickly. This quickly, dude. Never thought I'd see it. Man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Me. Yes. All right, boys. All
1: right. Never a doubt. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You gotta be joking. University of Phoenix Stadium will be a freak show. Wow. You predicting? Yeah. You would, called
0: it. Well, we would host. Um, that was 2008, so that was six years into it, and so, and for me, and I still feel this way, and this is my 21st year. You know, doing games. I love doing games for ESPN. Love it. Yeah. This is different because the Cardinals had become my team. They became my team early on. I grew up in Wisconsin. I was not a huge Packer fan. Don Mikowski was the quarterback when I was growing up. The Magic The Magic Man. Man. I met him one time, and he called himself the Magic Man when he introduced <laughs> himself. Um, Don't ever do that,
1: kids. <laughs> Don't
0: ever do that. Very nice guy, though. But like, I didn't have, growing up in Madison, again, kind of a Packer fan, but not really. Yeah. And so when I got the job here... You know, you are around the team. You're part of the team. You live and die with what happens. So became my team quickly, and obviously I've stayed here for more than 20 years, so it gives me a chance to root. So just listening back to that 14 years ago, I mean, that's real. That's real emotion. And hopefully Cardinal fans, when they listen to us, hopefully they sense that it's important to us too, that we care, because really our job is to be the conduit. Like, what you say and what I say the fan is supposed to be thinking the same thing. And sometimes that means saying something that maybe somebody doesn't yeah, want to hear.
1: right. No. I think
0: we're good at that. I think we're very fair. I think we can criticize, but we criticize in a fair, professional sure. manner. Sure, sure. Because sometimes there are things that need to be said because the fans are thinking that and they expect that.
1: David, for me, I can tell you right now, I think we are really, really good at being objective on that. Um, Am I a homer? Absolutely. I'm paid by the team. I bleed Cardinal red. I do. I had seven of my best years. I played 10 years in the NFL and seven of my best years. It was with the Arizona Cardinals and the St. Louis Cardinals. So, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I bleed Cardinal red, yet at the same time, I can be fair and objective and be able to look at it, and I think we do a very, very good job and have done a good job of being objective and not being blinded by the fact that we want the Cardinals to win games. It's not like I'm doing a national broadcast. It's not like you're doing a national broadcast. We're broadcasting for Cardinal fans on the radio. So, heck yeah. Um, I'm not afraid of letting them know that I want the Cardinals to win a game, yet at the same time, uh, I think we've always done a fair and accurate job of describing what is happening and doing it objectively. Ohms, anything else?
2: No, I was going to say to finish up on the Carolina game, the one clip I didn't play was the clip of uh, former front office executive accidentally drinking Wolf's dip spit before oh, yeah. the game. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Ron Minninger, who – Ronnie uh, love you, Ronnie. Accidentally Sorry.
0: <laughs> went to sip his coffee and sipped Wolf's <laughs> dip
1: spit. Oh, my goodness. I want to barf right now. <laughs> you want to barf. I, I seriously, what is going yeah. on? Um, Can thank I just you, say this? He looked like he, he saw this. a ghost. Um, The best memory ever for me personally – was the NFC Championship game. When we were going to the Super Bowl and we knew it, that fourth down play right there, cover zero, here we go, and suddenly went after against the Philadelphia Eagles, hosting it right there at the stadium, a home game. The realization of knowing that we were going to the Super Bowl still is my favorite memory personally to this day. For me, it was the Super Bowl. Again, just
0: being a part of it, taking it all in, remembering every moment. I remember I'd done a college basketball game at Pitt the Saturday before. I went down to Tampa with the team and then flew out to do my ESPN responsibilities. And I had a, an assignment at Pittsburgh. And so I flew from Pittsburgh to Tampa. Mm. And I am the only person on the plane, think of where I'm coming from, not in Steeler gear. Wow! And someone asks oh. me, sitting next to me, "Are you going down to the Super Bowl?" I'm like, yep. You're not a Steeler fan. I'm like, that uh, worked for the Cardinals. You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, this person was kind enough to not stand up and say, "Hey,
2: we he got a Cardinal fan." Because
0: every single person on the plane was That's wearing amazing, Steeler right? gear. And again, just from the bus ride over, first of all, we thought we might miss the bus we'll close on this thought we might miss the bus we are sitting there you and I are talking to uh the late great Bill Bidwill. we're having a conversation Mr. B is sharing great stories I, I one of the things I always appreciated about Mr. B was he had a very he, he had a wide knowledge of broadcasting he really knew broadcasting yeah. uh going back to St. Louis and some of the legendary broadcasters going yeah. back to Jack Buck he knew them all and knew about them and I'm very immersed in the history of broadcasting and so he was telling all these stories and then Great I look, Storyteller. I look up, there's three people left in the meal room. You, me, and Mr. B. I'm like, Oh my goodness, we are going to miss the bus to the Super Bowl. Yes. And then we were like, Wait a second. Wait a minute. They're not leaving without him. We're good. <laughs> but getting there, I didn't script anything. You know, you wanna those moments where like when I do a TV game, I will always script my open the first 30 to 40 seconds where you come on the air, you show, you show shots of, you know, if it's an NBA game, the way it's set up a lot of times because the stars are the show, it's set up almost like a boxing match. So if you're watching an NBA game, you know, in this corner, it was, it was last week, so mm-hmm. it's Lakers Clippers mm-hmm. I'm doing, and, you know, it's without saying in this corner, but it's, LeBron James and the Lakers, Paul George and the Clippers, and you're kind of setting it up. So I I usually script that. For the Super Bowl, I didn't want to script the end because I thought I would jinx it. If I wrote something down, (laughs) I am going to jinx it. So I'm not going to do it. The pass factor. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. When the Cardinals took the lead and Larry Fitzgerald ran into the end zone, And first of all, they're playing the Cardinals touchdown music that we played at State Farm Stadium. And also this booth next to us full of NFL employees are looking at us laughing because we are going nuts. And actually the stadium has kind of turned and they're rooting for the Cardinals, obviously not the Steeler fans. So I'm like, I better I better put something down. I better write something down, because if they win, whatever I say, it's going to be played over and over again for a long time. I don't remember exactly what I wrote down, but I do remember that I tore it up and threw it in the trash about a minute later because <laughs> Aaron Francisco fell down. They got into uh, steel or Cardinal yes. Territory and, and then Santonio San Holmes. Two um, minutes
1: yeah. and 43 seconds.
0: But look, there have been a lot of great moments since. There have been some heartbreaking moments since, and Wolf, we've been doing this together for 18 years. I hope we get to do it for at least... 18 more yeah thank you brother i appreciate you coming in uh thank you for sharing a lot about uh who you are if there are people that didn't know your backstory whether it's as a player or some of the things you've been through personally uh i think if you didn't love ron wolfley before you'll 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 come away loving ron Wolfley. well david love you love and you too, Oms, brother.
1: love you <laughs>
0: great stuff this was fun thanks wolf Holmes, thanks for helping appreciate it There's plenty more where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, we went about an hour. We honestly could have gone about four hours. There's so much more we could have discussed. Hopefully, Cardinal fans, and even if you're not a Cardinal fan, you got a taste for who Ron Wolfley is at the core and maybe get a greater appreciation for Wolf as a broadcaster. You can just hear the passion uh, in this conversation with Wolf, and obviously that comes out on game day as well as he eats and breathes Arizona Cardinal football. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Please follow us on social media, on Twitter, at PashPod, and also we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think about future guests. You can go to your podcast platform, rate us, review us, and tell us what you think about this episode or any of the previous 49 episodes of the Dave Pash Podcast. Thanks again to uh, you for listening, and thanks again to our guest Ron Wolfley for being a part of the fiftieth edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.